The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. We all long for peace. We all, um, we all long for it. It's, it's something, it's just being human, that we long for it, we search for it, we crave it. We notice when we don't have it. We notice when something is not the way it should be, when peace is missing. We notice, we crave it. We long for things to be made right and restored. If you uh, watch any beauty pageant, they all want world peace. If you read any self-help book, it's all about your inner peace. We long for peace. We pursue it. It's, you can find it in every single philosophy, every single culture. We might have different words for it, but it's the same thing. Every religion, every civilization, we long for rest, tranquility, peace. It is part of the fabric of being human. My, my question for us as we begin is why? Why? Why is that? I, I want to make a big statement, and we're going to build on this this morning. The reason that we all long for peace is because you were created for it. I propose that to you this morning that Scripture puts before us that your default position is peace. Your default, that peace, that shalom, is in most senses the most human condition you could be because it was what you were created for. And you hear that, and you might hear that go, Pastor, look around. Um, we, don't ac- we don't, you know, excel at this, this peace thing. We war, we fight, we divide. I don't see it. Um, but this morning, I'd like for us to just look at this a bit deeper. And I'd like for us, actually, to take a look at Scripture in a bit of a zoomed-out way. Uh, to, to look at the story of redemption, the story of Scripture. How many know, okay, the Bible was written by so many authors over thousands of years, 66 books and different languages, different cultures. How many know, though, that your Bible presents you with one grand narrative, one grand story? I'd like for us to zoom out so we can kind of see that, that story from the highest possible level. So I want to start with the first few pages of your Bible. Um, That moment when our eternal God created all things out of nothing, right? Light from darkness, land, seas, the skies, plants, trees, sun, moon, stars, planets, animals, big ones, small ones, living creatures. He created them all, and then our God saw what had been created and said, that's good. That's, that's good. And then Scripture says he creates humans, man and woman, and he creates them uniquely. He creates them in his own image. He creates them, and he doesn't just say that was good. If you read your Bibles, he says, that was very good, exceedingly good, abundantly good. That was, that was real good. 
when he created humanity. And here in this moment, as you read scripture, God created man and woman, and he places them in this garden, and their church was perfect peace. It was just peace. Peace in creation. The Things were like they should be. There was peace with each other. There was peace with God. They communed with him. They walked with him. It was unbroken communion. In other words, church, all the things that we long for, all the things we crave, they're all there. They're all there in the garden. And in God's very own words, he says, and that was very good. That was, that was very good. Why do we crave peace? Let's come back to this question. Why do we long for it? Because we were created for it. Adam and Eve walked in it. They walked in peace with the garden. They walked in peace with each other. They walked with peace, in peace with God. Peace, shalom, it was there. And then Genesis 3 happens. In Genesis 3, we read about what we call the fall. And, and here was the moment when humans, when Adam and Eve made this decision to break that peace, to sin, to disobey, to disregard God's word. They questioned his goodness if he was really as good as he said he was. They questioned his character, his authority, and things broke, and it was extensive. It was extensive. Verse 8 says they, they, they heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And notice, instead of joining him on that walk, communing with him on that walk, Genesis says the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord in that garden among the trees. And so it begins, where there was once peace, where they once walked with God in peace. Now they hide, only they can't. Good luck hiding from, from an all-seeing, all-knowing God. But they tried. And Adam and Eve did not hear me. They did not act accordingly to the way God had created them. Instead, they chose their own way. They chose sin, and the peace they once had known was gone. So, peace with the world around him? No, not anymore. Now there's thorns. Now there's sweat, toil, hardship, and you know when you get a cactus needle in your finger and it's terrible? Now that happens. No peace with the world around. What about peace with those around you? No, now there's enmity. You read your, your, the scripture and it says, now there's strife, now, there, now there's division. In fact, in just a few short verses, we see the first murder. What about peace with God? Nope. Now, Scripture says, therefore, the Lord God sent them out of the garden. He sent them out of his presence. He drove them out later, it says, and he placed a guard to make sure they can't, they can't come back. Peace was, was broken. Where there was once perfect communion, now there is separation. Peace gone. Shalom gone. Why do we crave peace? Because we're created for it. Why do we long for it? It's because we lost it. And praise God that our God does not leave us right there. He doesn't. Here in Genesis 3, right in the heat of 
this, I think catastrophe is a, a, a bit of a small word for this moment. But right in this moment, we see the first glimpse of the rest of, the, of Scripture's story. Um, this statement has been called the proto-evangelium. The big fancy word that's not as fancy as it sounds. Proto comes from two words that just went and got smashed together. Proto means first Evangelion means good news or gospel. So what happens is you go, whoop, bring them together, and you have the first good news, the first gospel, the first glimpse of the plan of God. And that first glimpse was when God looked at that serpent, and he looks at the enemy, and he said, he said you see that woman? Here's what's going to happen. Her offspring, her seed, it's going to crush your head going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. In other words, one day the seed of the woman would crush the head of the enemy. One day peace was going to be restored. One day. And see the Old Testament as we zoom out now, the Old Testament is a story of that plan unfolding. The plan of the seed of Eve to come to be born, to defeat the enemy, to come in victory, and to restore peace. The Old Testament calls calls this individual, this seed, the Messiah. And the Old Testament, as you put it all together, as you zoom out, you take it all in, we have the story of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of that seed. But through this story, you know Things weren't as they should be. If you contrast the life of the Garden of Eden with the life of the people of God in the Old Testament, things don't look the same. There's a, there's a big difference. Things are still broken. All of creation, though, was waiting and groaning. The people of God were waiting for that peace to finally be restored. And Scripture is so clear that while you are waiting for that, be agents of peace where you are. We've talked about this last couple weeks. Knowing that one day, though, trust, place your faith in that one day the Messiah will come. Peace will be restored. And it's in this that the prophet Isaiah through the inspiration of the Spirit of God says this, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and Forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. One day, one day peace will be restored. And not a puny peace. I'm talking about a peace with creation. I'm talking about a peace with each other. And I am talking about ultimately a peace with God. One day, perfect shalom will be restored. And in the perfect moment, In the fullness of time, Scripture says, in the most unlikely of circumstances, in the most unlikely of towns, a child was born, Jesus was born, in a stable in Bethlehem. The 
birth of the long-awaited Messiah. See, we would have expected trumpets. We would have expected purple robes. I hear that's what they did back then. We didn't get that. We got donkeys. We got a stable. In, instead of born in majesty, we have born in a manger. We would have expected it to be Jerusalem. Surely the Messiah would come from Jerusalem. We get this small town of Bethlehem. And okay, I know most of us are not real familiar with ancient Middle Eastern geography. But let's just think about it like this. If we were expecting the king to come from America, you would think, you know, L.A. or New York or Washington, D.C. Hey, if we're in Texas, maybe even Dallas, Houston, um, it would be like he was born from Kerrville. <laughs> what? I was born in Kerrville, so I can rip on Kerrville. Um, this is not what we would have expected. This is not what they would have expected, this little Bethlehem. But here the long-expected Messiah comes. Peace is here. Everything is right. Right? <laughs> yes and, and no. Yes, he is the long-awaited Messiah. Yes, he is king. Yes, he is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace. Yes, yes, amen. Yes. But he lived his life perfect and sinless as he was. He lived his life as a teacher, a rabbi, and he faced incredible suffering. Another place Isaiah in Isaiah, um, in chapter 53, says he was despised and rejected by men. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one whom men hide their faces. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Church, that does not sound like peace. Peace was here, yet that's not, that doesn't sound like what I would expect. That doesn't sound like it. We read in Matthew 10, Jesus himself saying, get this, take this one in. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to this earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. That doesn't sound like peace. We have the Prince of Peace telling us he didn't come to bring the world peace. Then we read that Jesus tells his followers, I say these things that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Huh? Huh? But take heart, I've overcome the world. Tribulation is not peace. It's, it's, it's not. The Messiah is here. Jesus is here. Peace is here. Where is the peace? I think we can all look around at our lives. Right now, you can look at your life. You can look at your world, our community, your newsfeed. Let's be honest, you can look at you. And you can say with confidence that we're not yet back in the garden. <laughs> we're, not, we're not back to Eden quite yet. We're not in perfect shalom, perfect peace. Peace with all creation? No, we still toil. Peace with each other? No, we still fight. Peace with God? No, we still sin. We're here this morning and we're talking about peace and we're talking about the thing that we all crave. 
We all long for this, and we, we're talking about the thing that was lost, that we all want back, that peace, that shalom. And I want to make a really profound statement this morning. The peace of God is here. It's an already and not yet kind of thing. It's a both now and later kind of thing. It's a, it's a here now and there then kind of thing. It is a lived and experienced in the now and seeing it hoped for later kind of thing. Church, part of the Advent season is us seeing and understanding this, that the peace of God is here now and We hope for it in the future. Both of these things are from God. Both of them are supernatural. And both of them surpass all understanding. I want to talk about both of them. And I want to start with the right now, the today. You and I can walk in the peace of God today. Church, I want you to hear me. If you are in Christ, you can walk in the full, not the beta version of, peace, the full version of peace, the the everything peace. You can walk in that peace today. I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of John. Um, John, we're going to be in John 14. John 14. This text is so incredible and so rich. I really could have, I feel like I could have preached a really long time, but I, I, I did my best. We, we, we got it where we need to be. Um, I want you to look with me at John 14. Jesus here is teaching us, teaching his disciples. And in verse 25, he says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. Um, pause there. Jesus is saying, disciples, I'm teaching you. I'm giving you instructions as I'm still here with you in the flesh. He knows his mission, church. He knows, let's take it back, that the seed of Eve is going to crush the head of the enemy, and he knows that to crush the head of the enemy that he would need to be crushed. Jesus knows this. Isaiah 53 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Church, Jesus knew this scripture, Jesus taught this scripture, Jesus memorized this scripture, he knew, church, that he would be the one to fulfill this scripture. Isaiah goes on to say, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. So Jesus knew he was going to crush the head of the enemy and that in order to do that, he himself would be crushed. And so he says, look, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but when I am not, when I'm about that mission, when I complete my mission here, listen to this, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Oh, church, hear this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace Jesus leaves. That peace, church, that he leaves has a name. 
The peace is his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not a vague, fluffy idea of peace somewhere floating up in the, in the, the clouds. No, this is, Jesus says, my peace. A little bit later in John, he says, church, it's to your advantage that I leave. You want to know why? Because I'm about to send you the helper. It's to your advantage that I go. Why? Because peace is coming. I leave you peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And Jesus goes on to say, and I don't give you this peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Church, the peace that the world tries to offer is highly circumstantial. The peace that the world tries to offer is thin and unstable, but this is not the kind of peace that Jesus is offering you today. There's this old hymn called It Is Well, and um, it was written in just great tragedy, and the first verse of this hymn says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Listen to this. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well for my soul. Church, that's peace. It is well with my soul, peace. That's the kind of peace that just surpasses all understanding. The peace that allows us through Jesus, and I want you to hear me, to face any and every circumstance that you will ever face in your life. To be able to face it knowing that nothing can shake us in Christ. It's the peace that knows that even the trials the Lord uses for our good in his glory. It's the peace that knows that our God is in control. It's the peace that knows that our God is good, that we are his, and that nothing can separate us. It's the peace that cannot be rocked or shaken by anything that you face. That's the peace that Jesus has left. And this peace, church, is not for later. Oh, how puny our view of Scripture is if this is all just a fluffy thing for later that we just wait because Jesus says, this peace I offer you. I send you my peace. It's the peace that we have knowing that we have an anchor that will never fail. No matter the storm, we walk in the peace. And this is why he can say in this hymn, why we can say in this, as we sing this hymn together, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well for my soul. Through Christ you have peace that the world cannot possibly understand. And that peace is here because the Spirit is here. You have that peace because the Spirit dwells in you, Scripture says. Christ is in you. Christ is peace. Therefore, that peace is yours today. Do you know this peace? I'm talking about church, and I want to be very clear here. I'm talking about first, peace with God. Knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that you are in Christ. That's why I love the last verse of this hymn that says, My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought 
My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Peace with God is here in Christ. Now, are you and I, are we perfect? No. No. But can we know perfect peace? Yes. Because that perfect peace is Christ. I'm talking about peace with each other that we've been made one through Christ, that we walk in unity in Christ, that we have been adopted into God's family, his one family, one family through Christ. This is unity, this is peace. Now, are we perfect in this? No. But can we know perfect peace? Yes. Because that perfect peace is Christ. And I'm also talking about peace with creation, that we've been given the great task of bringing shalom to our communities, neighborhoods, offices, schools, that as image bearers of God, you bring peace with you wherever you go. Now, are we perfect in this? No. But can we know perfect peace? Yes. Because perfect peace is Christ. Peace is here. Peace is Christ. And we are in Christ. Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. So church, we can know. Perfect peace, do you know perfect peace? Do you walk in it? Do you know Christ? And not for later, but today, do you know the peace of God? Where is fear in light of that? Child of God, walk in peace. As we talked about, the Old Testament was pointing us forward to the Messiah saying loudly and clearly, God has a plan and he is coming. Place your hope in him, he is coming. Place your, hope, your faith in him, he is coming. And praise God, he came. And here's what the New Testament does. As we move into the New Testament, it does two things. One, it constantly drives us to look back. To look back to Jesus, to the work, to his work. Look back in faith to the completed work of Jesus Christ that we read in the Gospels. The second thing it does, though, is it constantly reminds us to look forward to that moment when Jesus is going to return. This time, though, not as a baby in a manger, this time as the reigning and rightful king to establish his kingdom here on earth. I want you to go back to something with me. We read a little bit in Isaiah 9. I want to read it again. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, in The government shall rest upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then listen to this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness. And listen to this. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, now it might do this, will do this. In a way, this has been fulfilled, that Christ came, that he lived a perfect life, that he was arrested, that he was mocked, crucified, fulfilling all the prophecies, that he was put in a tomb, and on the third day that he rose, and he rose in victory, he conquered death, he conquered hell, he conquered the grave, he rose. Scripture says he is sitting ruling from his throne, that the Father exalted him, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
but I want to put something before you. This is another one of those already but not yet kind of moments for us. We started our time in Genesis 1 and 2 where there was perfect peace in the garden. When God stepped back from all that he created, and he said, whew, that was, that's good, that's very good, that's exceedingly good. When Adam and God walked together in the garden and there was no sin, no pain, and no brokenness, where there was perfect and unbroken shalom on all levels. And as I said, that's what we as humans long for because we're created for it. We long to get back to that state. And church, the New Testament points us forward to that moment when by the grace and the power of God, we are back in that state. I want you to turn with me just one more place. I I think it's only fitting. I had you start with the first couple pages of your Bible. Would you turn with me to the last couple pages of your Bible, Revelation 21. I want you to listen to this. Listen, Listen to this hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is what we look forward to. This is the hope that we have, the future peace that is ours. When the power of God, when the peace of Eden is restored, where now there is peace with creation, no more pain, no more sin, no more sickness. Now there is peace with each other. There is no more violence. There is no more crying. There is no more pain. And now there is peace with God that God once again As in the garden, he dwells with, he walks with, he talks with us. Our future future peace, church, is when the curse of sin is no more and all things are as they were created to be. That is our peace. Here in Advent, I want us to know and I want us to realize two things. That the peace of God is here and it is yours through Christ Jesus. That you can walk in it in full peace. That Christ sent his spirit to dwell in you so that no matter what you are facing today and no matter what you are facing tomorrow, no matter, your peace is anchored in Christ. That peace is yours. That peace is yours today in its full Peace, it's yours through Jesus Christ. And at the same time, church, we get the joy of looking ahead. 
We get the joy of looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ returns as the reigning king. When all things are made new and everything is working as it was created to be. This is yours in Jesus Christ. This is our hope, our future, our peace. And Advent, church, is about this season that causes us to live in this expectation. To live in this understanding that peace is here through Jesus Christ. That peace came because Jesus came. And at the same time, perfect peace is coming through Jesus Christ. Peace is coming because Jesus is coming back. Would you pray with me? Lord, we've looked at your peace and what your word has said about the peace that you have sent us. And I just want to take a moment as as a church to confess that so often we walk not in peace but fear. Not in stillness but anxiety. That we walk not in rest, but we are driven to fear as we think about the what-ifs of the future. As we look at our circumstances now and they are not the way that we want them to be. God, it is so easy for us to come and hear um, your word about peace and then to look at our lives and say, we don't have it. We don't know what it feels like to walk in it. And Lord, we come to you confessing. Confessing that to you and asking you to do what your word says that you would do. To send your spirit into us. To give us that peace that just doesn't make sense. Where whatever our lot may be, whether it be plenty or scarcity, whether it be wealth or poverty, whether it be health or whether it be sickness, whatever the case may be, whether it be the storm or just still waters, Your peace never leaves us. And whatever our lot, you have taught us to say it as well. Lord, that is peace. We cling to that. And I just pray that for anyone here who is struggling right now with fear, with anxiety, that right now you do a work through your spirit in our lives. Would you, through your spirit, would you bring your peace into our hearts and our in our minds? Would you call? Calm our minds down. And at the same time, would you just direct our attention to the fact that one day we will know what it's like to walk with you in the garden. When everything is as it should be, Lord, that's our hope in Jesus Christ. We have peace that cannot and will never be broken. We have this peace. Lord, would you do a work 
in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name.